All right, Destiny family. So good to be with you this morning. I don't, I don't, I really don't want to sound negative, but is anybody watching this morning getting sick and tired of all the negative talk that is going on in the world today? You can raise your hand in the chat, do that however you want to. Does anybody else feel that way? Like it's, it's, it's getting almost overwhelming. It's getting overwhelming for some of us. Everywhere that you look, almost all the time, anytime you turn on the news or read in the news app, and there is a lot of really difficult news. People are getting sick, people are tragically dying, jobs are vanishing, the economy is struggling, the nation's divided, there's this whole cultural and uh, racial thing that's going on in our nation right now, and it seems like the pervasive message in the world today is that <laughs> this is the end of the world as we know it. <laughs> and, and it's so easy to get sucked into the negativity and into the fear and into the anxiety that seems to overwhelm so many people. And if I could just be transparent with you this morning before we kind of jump in, there have been times when, especially in these last few months, where I find myself, myself, talking as your pastor this morning, emotionally on edge. I, I find myself getting angry. Uh, sometimes maybe it was a righteous anger, sometimes maybe not. And, and, and it's almost, almost a good thing that there's some social distancing going on because it doesn't take much to get some of us lit up right now. And I, I, I wake up feeling like, and maybe some of you are doing this as well, can we ever rebuild this? Can we return to something that is meaningful from this? So what I'm doing right now is I'm really asking God to help me to see the good in the middle of all the bad. And I'm fighting to keep a perspective of faith and a positive attitude. Pastor Craig Rochelle of Life Church. I was watching this message and he, he asked his 15-year-old uh, daughter, Joy, he was sharing about the, the topic of optimism. And he said, when you grow older and you're an adult, what do you think is something that's positive that's gonna come out of this whole pandemic? 15 years old, she thought about it. She get a smile really big on her face and she says, I know what it is. And she said, whenever my kids ask me, when I'm an adult, when I'm older, and whenever my kids ask me to do something and I have to tell them, no, if they start to whine at me, I'm going to look at them and I'm going to say, when I was your age, they locked me up in the house for three months and told us, if you go outside, you're going to die. <laughs> That's something that she thought was positive. She was looking for something positive in the middle of all the bad news. So I've got some advice for you as we kind of kick off this week. Um, let's be wise, let's love God, and let's love others above all else. Let's think of others around us that might be vulnerable. Uh, and let's do everything within us to stay positive, to have an attitude of faith, to look for the good in the middle of the bad and believe that God is still on the throne. Can anybody say amen to that this morning? That he is still working, that, that he can be in this and with us and still he is for us. Stay positive, fight for faith because a negative outlook never ever leads to a positive life. So what I wanna do today and what we wanna do today is we wanna show you why I am unshakably optimistic about the future. The, the title of today's message is Enough of the Bad News. And this outline is, is curated 
um, from an old series that I heard Pastor Craig Rochelle share a long time ago. Life Church, if, if you don't know, is one of the largest churches in America through the several satellite churches that they have. Online presence is just phenomenal. They see several hundred salvations through their um, uh, satellite churches every single week. It's an amazing work and ministry of the Lord. They're also one of the largest resourcing churches in the world, sharing their media content, their small group stuff, their graphics and devotions, et cetera, freely. And so when I saw them, they were revisiting this series with some new resources in light of this kind of current cultural climate that we're in. I had already been hearing Holy Spirit kind of leaning and directing me to speak directly to things like our mental health, how we're doing, because we have some people that are struggling depression and heaviness that a lot of us have been carrying. And so we're going to partner with Life Church in this series over the next few weeks and lean into some good news. Amen. How many of you ready for some good news? And so anybody okay with that? Uh, I, I want to open with this scripture and maybe, maybe just, you know, so for those of you that are coming next week, if you want to prepare, this would be the part in the service where we would stand and we would read the scripture. I'm not going to stand right now because I might mess up. I don't know the camera, but um, so if you want to stand, we're going to read the scripture together and then we're going to pray. Romans 8 is where it's found and this is what it says. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. It is good. We thank you for your nature, who you are, your character. It is good. Lord, I just ask that you would open up our spiritual eyes and ears so that we can see and hear from you this morning and that we would walk away from here different as a result of communing and spending time um, in your word. Thank you for being with us. In your mighty name we pray, amen and amen. Go ahead and just type that into the chat wherever you're watching. Next week, some of you will be saying that in-house too. Amen. So let's talk about optimism. And what I want to do is I want to first tell you what optimism is not so we can be very, very clear. And then I want to help try to define what optimism is. So let's start with what optimism is not. First of all, optimism is not a denial of reality. It's not putting our heads in the sand and acting like everything's okay. Nothing's wrong, I just have a positive attitude no matter what, you know, it's all butterflies and sugar cubes and rainbows and unicorns and, and Pastor Derek in a dress, no, that's, that's going too far. Um, it's, 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 you know, not denying reality. And the current reality is that we have very significant challenges, right? All over the world, optimism is not a denial of reality. It's also not blind faith. It's not just naive, wishful thinking that everything's going to work out if we don't do anything about it. It's not denial of reality. It's not blind faith. A very clear uh, definition that I came across is this. Optimism is simply confidence about the future or a successful outcome. It's a confidence believing that something good is coming or, or an assurance and a belief that there's going to be a positive or successful outcome. So what I want to do is... I want to add some spiritual weight to that definition of optimism. And so this is how we're going to define it throughout this series. This is a definition of optimism for a faith-filled believer. What is optimism? Optimism is the unwavering 
expectation that our loving God is working every situation for our future good. It is the unwavering expectation and assurance deep within our souls that our loving God, he's involved. He's working in every situation for our future good. It was Paul who said this very thing to the Romans in Romans 8, 28. He said, and we know for those that who love God, all things. Can somebody say all things? All things. You might want to type that in the chat right now. Just type in all things. It might, it might be your impossible boss. It might be uh, your financial setback. It might be your in-laws. Don't nudge them if they're sitting with you this morning, but you know what I'm talking about. You know, um, it might be the challenges of home education with, with your kids you know, at the end of this school year. Or maybe it's a, a, a painful breakup. It says all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. In other words, even in a negative situation, all things still hold the potential to produce a positive purpose because we, as faith-filled believers, can live with the unwavering expectation that our loving God is working every situation for our future good. So I can be incredibly optimistic. What I want us to do for a moment is I want us to pause and I want you to think about what you think about. And, I, and I, I want you to think about how you process your thoughts about the future. How do you see the future in your thought life? Because the reality is, if your thoughts are consumed with negativity and fear and worry and anxiety, that's really, really bad news. Because what consumes your mind tends to control your life. Whatever you think about tends to direct your life. In other words, the life that you have is generally a reflection of the thoughts that you think. Proverbs 23, 7 tells us this, as a man thinks in his heart, so he becomes. Your life is generally moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. And so if you tend to think that the world is always in trouble and you, you can't trust anyone and I hate my circumstances... And you're probably not going to end, you know, end that day and go, wow, this is the best day ever. <laughs> if you wake up with a bad attitude and a bad perspective and a bad filter, you see everything through this pessimistic kind of lens. And what you think about tends to direct your life. What consumes your thoughts controls your life. And that's why the quality of your life will never exceed the quality of your thoughts. What do you think about? This is, this is one of the big problems of pessimism. Those of us who, who have this constantly, chronically negative attitude. Experts tell us this about pessimists. Pessimists tend to view negative events as both personal and permanent. So they're personal, in other words, this is my fault that everything is happening uh, because I'm, a ba I'm bad, I'm no good, nothing ever goes my way, I'm incapable, I'm unworthy of anything good. And then they tend to think it's permanent on top of that. This is always going to be this way. I'm never going to have a good life. We're always going to struggle. Things are bad and they're only going to get worse. And before long, we start to live with a, a, with a very real victim mentality. 
The economy's bad. I'll never get the job that I wanted. Uh, this virus is unstoppable, and we're going to have to wear masks everywhere we go for the rest of our lives for all of time. The world is never going to be safe again. Here's, here's what that person has to recognize, that being content and being satisfied and being blessed and being optimistic, it isn't a state of affairs, it's a state of mind. What controls your mind controls your life. What consumes your thoughts? I want you to think about what you think about. What consumes your thoughts? Are you typically drifting towards faith and God? about his power and about his goodness in your life, or do they tend to drift towards the negative? I, I'm, I'm just concerned, I'm worried, the world is falling apart. If you move toward the negative, if you tend to be a realist, tend to be concerned, tend to drift toward the negative, you're gonna fight, you're gonna have to fight for your faith. If you find yourself there, what you wanna do, this is the take home for today, take, Take this one down, write it down. If you, if you want to feed your faith and you want to starve the negativity, feed your faith and starve your fears. Why? Because whatever you feed tends to grow. And whatever you starve tends to die, right? What I want to do is I want to starve the wrong voices that rob me of any potential joy and I want to feed the things that help me grow in faith. So this doesn't mean that I just put my head in the sand. But for me, what I do to starve the fear is, you know, one thing is I don't watch the news 24 hours a day. <laughs> because if I did, I would want to hop in the bathtub, fill it up, and, and make toast in the bathtub if you get my drift, right? It's just too much. Too dark, sorry. And so what, what I do is I, I keep up on the news, but I typically limit it. I'll limit it to maybe one portion of the day, maybe more if there's a developing kind of thing that I, I want to keep up on, but one time a day, I want to know. I want to be very aware of what's going on in the world. One time a day, I'm going to tune in, and then I'm going to tune out. And this is helpful, too. Find a new source that isn't slanted or opinionated and isn't always throwing insults at a particular party or a people. Come on. Because if that's your source, guess what? You're feeding yourself a negative pessimistic diet. And if all I've got is negative voices all around me, what I'm going to do is I'm going to spew that back out. So I'm going to distance myself from those who are always saying the world's falling apart and this is who's doing it. It's their fault. And I'm going to distance myself and I'm going to starve my fears. So then what I'm going to do is I'm going to try to feed the things that build my faith. And what I want to do is I want to show you exactly how I feed and build my faith. One of the most valuable things that I do in life is to take a rich portion of scripture and that I try to get into scripture so that scripture gets into me. I don't just read through it, but then I'm going to live in it. I'm going to focus in it and I'm going to meditate. I'm going to think about it. I'm going to let it work and start to renew my mind, right? We've been talking about that. We did a whole series this last year, developing habits that change your life. And this was at the heart of it, getting into the scripture so it can get into me. So I'm going to give you an example. And since we're talking about Romans 8.28 this morning, the power of God that works in, in, in good things, I want to show you how I would go through Romans 8 this morning. In order for me to feed my faith, I'll take this 
rich portion of scripture, just a, a kind of a length of scripture. And first of all, I want to understand the context, not just reading, you know, this specific verse or even couple verses, but I want to know who wrote it and to whom it was written and why it was written and what's going on before the verses I'm reading. Study Bibles are a great resource for that. And so I know that the apostle Paul was writing a very, very rich and meaty and weighty letter to the Romans here. And I know that Romans 8 comes after Romans 7. So I think about Romans and in Romans 7, Paul was just totally a mess. And it, and it makes me feel a little bit better about myself just reading it. It makes me feel a little bit better when my life's a mess. And in Romans 7, he's going on a rant. And he's kind of saying, I just don't understand myself. Uh, to put it in modern day language, um, he's kind of saying, I'm just a screw up. The things that I want to do, I don't do. And, and the things I know that I don't want to do, I end up doing those. I'm such a mess. That's kind of the language and the, 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 the conversation that he's having. And then he shifts in Romans 8. And it's almost like he's talking himself out of his negativity and out of his dysfunction and, into, and, and his sinfulness that he's finding himself in. And so in the very beginning, he says, therefore now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you are in Christ there's no judgment for your sins. Your sins have already been forgiven. And he makes this hard turn as he starts to renew his mind. And he talks about the mind that dwells on the flesh and thinks about the things of the flesh, but it, the mind also that dwells on the spirit and lives for the things of the spirit. And he says, if you're led by the spirit, you're children of God. If you're focusing on the spirit, your mind will be at peace. And then I'm, I might just land on a portion of the text like Romans 8, 18, where Paul says that I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. And I'm just going to stop there. I'm just going to read that again and let it read me to feel it. When he says, I consider that the sufferings of this present time, this thing that I'm living right now, this pandemic that I'm living right now of all sorts, right? All these things that, that we just dislike, that we might even hate, that we're enduring, that are so incredibly painful. They're so the pressure feels like it's on. They are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. So I remind myself, okay, the apostle Paul wrote this. How did he suffer? <laughs> well, he was imprisoned multiple times. That's kind of worse maybe than what I'm going through right now. Five times he was beaten with 40 lashes. That's pretty bad. Three times he was uh, beaten with rods. He was stoned and not the recreational type. I mean, he was literally thrones were stoned at him. Rocks were coming his way. He was shipwrecked. He spent the night out at sea. And, and I would hanging on to a log, you know, for his life. He was betrayed. He was beaten. The guy was left for dead on the side of the road. He didn't even look like he was alive, the scripture said. And this is the guy who said the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed to us. I let that feed my faith. Our present sufferings aren't worth comparing to the glory that is to come. So I'd ask you, think about it. Actually, I'm actually, I want you to process this right now. Where are you hurting right now? What have you lost? 
Where are you experiencing a hardship that deeply grieves your soul? I know some people, and you do too, I know some that are facing job loss right now, and that's real suffering. Some of you are worried that you're sick or you have relatives or close friends that are. Some of you are, are battling diseases like, like cancer and such. Some of you have relational challenges that are happening right now in your marriage or with your kids or with your family or with your friends, or you had a friend betray you, or you're just dealing with the inconveniences of how do I work at home when the kids are crawling all over me? <laughs> Whatever it is, what I do is I tell myself what scripture teaches me essentially is that the struggle I'm in today is producing the strength that I need for tomorrow. It's not even worth comparing. The, this momentary trial, this momentary struggle is not even worth comparing to God's future blessings and the glory that will be revealed in us. I've got an unwavering expectation that our loving God is working in every situation for our future good. So I starve my fears and I feed my faith. I let God's word start to renew my mind because my life is always moving in the directions of my strongest thoughts. And so as I read on, I get to Romans 8, 26 and I stop there. Paul says, the spirit helps us in our weakness. I need that. That's really good news. It's good news for me, and it would be good news for some of you right now, because listen, in a world that's completely kind of divided, I've had thoughts, I've had thoughts. I'm feeling completely incapable. I feel unsure. How do I lead through this? You know, some of you are leading through this. How do I lead through this? How do I preach the right message at the right time for the right spiritual response? I'm second guessing myself left and right. I don't feel prepared for this at all. And then I tell myself, he will never leave me. He will never forsake me. Holy Spirit helps me when I'm weak. And when I'm broken, his spirit, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in me. And I feed my faith. For those of you who are feeling weak, you feel overwhelmed. You feel discouraged. You feel like you can't take anymore. People will tell you, well, God helps those who help themselves. The Bible doesn't say that. God's word says God helps those who need help. He helps those who are weak. He helps those who are broken. He helps those who are crying out to him. He helps those who have been trodden upon. He helps you when you are weak. So if you're hurting right now, who is God? He is your comfort if you're confused. He is your guide. If you find yourself discouraged, he's your hope. If you're anxious, he's your peace. If you're weak, he's your strength. So I feed my faith and I starve my fears. And I feed my faith. And then I keep on going. I'm going to go down to Romans 8, 28, and I let that sink in. We know that in all things, all things, all things, all things, in the good things and in the bad things, in the days that I love and in the days that I endure and through the heartbreaks and through the inconvenience, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. He is that good, and he is that involved. And here's 
what I think about when I read that. Have you ever noticed, if you've been to uh, well, uh, Disney World or, or Disneyland, you ever noticed how squeaky clean the Disney parks are? Um, Deanna and I were talking about this when one of our visits there. Their, their main street, if you didn't know, is power washed every they have trash bins located every 30 feet throughout the park. And Yen and I were, were walking back, and we were at a conference in Sacramento, I believe, and we were just walking uh, back kind of in the evening back to our room, and we would watch and we would see Disney custodial staff cleaning the sidewalks, you know, as the sun was setting. And I mean, it was relentless type of cleaning. Someone would drop a, you know, like a straw wrapper on axe like swoop down and pick it up and and it would be gone and you know somebody would would drop some little kid would drop a broken piece of candy and and it was like they'd roll out of the bushes and grab it and pick it up and it was gone and I mean it was it was just this this sense of have anybody seen or noticed that or was it just me was it just us we we just noticed that this is the perfect I think visual of an invisible loving God I mean work with me but but this is what I was thinking I have a God that I don't always see, but he is always there. And whenever I need him, whenever I mess up, whenever I leave a mess, he's working in the middle of that situation, cleaning up after me, going in behind the scenes. Whenever our enemy means something for evil, our God can still turn it for the good. That's how faithful our God is. You may not see him, but he is always there. He never leaves. He's always good and he's always for you and he's always with you. He's like doing that somersault after you drop that piece of candy and he's taking care of it. <laughs> so often people will say things like, here's the key to happiness. You want to be happy? You, you want to be fulfilled? Lower your expectations. They'll give you that kind of advice. Lower your, don't expect anything good and that way you'll never be disappointed if you just lower your expectations and believe only bad things are going to happen. Then you're not going to be crushed when they do happen. I would tell you this. As followers of Christ, don't lower your expectations. Raise your expectations in the goodness and the faithfulness and the power of our God. So many people will say, well, I, I, I just want life to go back to normal. Like Pastor Derek said last week so eloquently, it's how about let's not do that? Because normal was broken, right? I've got more faith than that. I'm looking at a lot of you who, who want to go back to normal, and, and I'm remembering some complaining about your life just three months ago. You were complaining, and now you want to go back. So I've got faith in God that we can go back to something better than normal that he can do something in us. And I might not like what I'm going through right now, but I appreciate what God will produce out of this present situation that we're in. God is working in all things to bring about good. I believe by faith that God can do exceedingly and abundantly more than all we ask or imagine according to his power, amen? I'm believing that going through this there are some of you, you're going to come out on the other side and your marriage is going to be stronger. I believe, I'm optimistic for that some of you, your families will be closer, that your love is going to be deeper for one another, your brothers and sisters, for other cultures and for people, that your generosity is going to become greater, that there are Christians who are going to become bolder in their faith, like a lion, come on, that the light of the church will shine 
brighter, that more people will be reached for the gospel than ever before, that the harvest is gonna be bigger because we continue to lift up and make much about the name of Jesus. I'm optimistic in the goodness and the faithfulness of God. During our our Worship Wednesday parking lot event, um, it's a couple Wednesdays ago now, I had to hold back the tears several times. Um, It had been around 10 weeks since we had an on-site event like that, and it seemed like four years. Um, And I was so emotional to even uh, have just a small portion of our church family distancing themselves to be back together. Because I realized that nothing's gonna stop the love of God through his church. His church always prevails. His his word is always true. His presence never leaves us. He never, ever forsakes us. And so I feed my faith and I starve my fears. And I read in Romans 8, 38 and 39, if we keep on going down in Romans chapter eight, when Paul said, for I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor death, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So I tell myself, no matter where I go, my God is there. No matter what I do, my God loves me. No matter what happens to me, my God is for me. And that's why I can have an unwavering expectation that our loving God is working in every situation for our future good. Enough of the bad news. Enough, right? We've had enough. Yeah, we acknowledge it. Yeah, we're living in some of it. We've got some problems, but we have a bigger God. We have a bigger God. I say, <laughs> we have a bigger God. We can get some shouts and some amens and hallelujahs in that one too. A God to whom all things are possible. So rather than be consumed by fear and anxiety, I'm gonna believe that our present struggles are not even worth comparing to the future glory of what God is gonna do in us and through us. Whatever, whenever I'm discouraged, whenever I'm weak, I remind myself, his spirit, Holy Spirit is perfect in my weakness. His strength is perfect. He's working in all things, and I may not see him, but he's still present, and he's still good. And even when our enemy means something for evil, our God can turn it into good because there's nothing, not a disease, not a sickness, not any fear can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so I know that what consumes my mind controls my life. My life is almost always moving in the direction of my strongest thoughts, that the life that I have is a reflection of the thoughts that I think my God has not given me the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. So I starve my fears and I feed my faith. I have an unwavering confidence that, that a very good, very involved, very loving God is working in every situation in your life right now to bring about my future good and your future good, all for his glory, because that's how good 
our God is. Amen. Pastor Derek's going to close us out this morning. Amen. Pastor Sean, what a challenge to get into Romans 8 and then pick like four verses to focus on. Uh, Romans 8 is awesome. If you guys haven't read through the whole thing, uh, you should, and I would encourage you to do that soon. Um, but I actually wanted to read just a little bit more of that, that end section of, of Romans 8. We're going to start in verse 31 and just kind of roll down uh, as, as we close. Um, this whole section is uh, it's just wonderful. So verse 31, what shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one, for God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one, for Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us, and he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. Verse 35, can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? I'm gonna read that part again. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we suffer? Sorry, does it mean that he no longer loves us if we have trouble, if we have calamity? If we are persecuted, if we are hungry, if we are destitute, if we're in danger, or if we're threatened with death. Skip down to verse 37. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And then verse 38. I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from Christ's love, neither death nor life, neither angels demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below, indeed nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Jesus our Lord. We're going to pray for two groups of people. We're going to pray for two different things today. Uh, and you might fit in both groups. You might fit in only one. That's okay. Either way, we are going to pray. We're going to talk to our Heavenly Father uh, because He loves us so much. And He hears us. And He knows what we're going to ask before we ask it. But He just loves to communicate with us. He loves to... Like, I know my kids need things, but sometimes I just want to talk to them about it. I want them to learn things through the, through the conversation. I want them to, to get close to me. So we're going to do that. The first thing we're going to pray for is optimistic eyes. We're going to pray for a worldview that is filtered through the blood of Jesus, that's filtered through the love of Jesus, and that is filtered through the victory that Jesus has already won. See, here's the thing, you know, we, we, we do filters a lot nowadays. Uh, you know, you got, you've got Instagram and you've got, uh, you know, various other social media things and we put in a picture and then we add a filter that completely changes it and, and essentially creates a fake image, right? And uh, some, so, so like, I look, you know, kind of gnarly and I got lines and stuff in my face now and, uh, but I can use one of those filters and it'll smooth all that out and make me look like I'm 20, I looked like this when I was 20, so make me look like I was 12. And, uh, but everybody's like, that's, that's a fake image. But here, here's the thing. When we look through the filter, that, the filter of Jesus' blood, 
or, um, of the love of Jesus through the victory that Jesus has already won, already won. When we look through those, we're not seeing the fake. We're seeing the real. We're seeing what's really true. Um, if you were with me on, on Thursday during, during prayer, we, we, we talked a little bit about how, uh, um, you know, the Bible says that we, we see, uh, we see heaven now, the, the good things in our life, um, that represent heaven. We, it's like seeing heaven in a, a mirror darkly or in a dirty mirror. And, uh, when we look at the world through the filter of Jesus, we see the world as it is. We see the truth. We see the reality. We don't see um, the negative world. We see the positive world. We don't see um, we don't see broken people. We see people with a purpose. We see people that are called. We don't see uh, people that are. are we, we, we don't see danger and trouble. We see opportunity for God to shine through and, and His glory to be known in the in the world. Um, it, 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 it's not that the, the system changes. The, the, the moment doesn't change, but the perspective, that change in perspective, when you look through Jesus, changes everything. So we're gonna pray for optimistic eyes, a worldview that is filtered through the blood of Jesus, filtered through the blood of Jesus, and filtered through the victory Jesus has already won. The other thing we're gonna pray for is salvation. If you are listening today and it's your, your first time ever really kind of being like, man, God loves us, I want to be in that. You know, um, uh, Romans 8, 28, uh, the first verse that we read this morning says, and we know for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. If you're listening this, to this today, guess what? You're called. Holy Spirit has you right here today listening to this message for a reason, because you are called, because he is calling you to him. So, you know, there's, there's this line where, where a lot of people will come to this verse and they'll say, ah, God only works things good for the people that are called. Well, Holy Spirit's calling everyone. Um, and if you're listening to this day, today, you absolutely count. So if you're listening to this and you're like, man, I want things to work out for me. I want, I want to be connected to this God who loves me so much that nothing can separate it. I want to be connected to this Jesus who gives me, who, 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 who can give me the, this positive outlook that I've never experienced before. If that's who you, if you're that person today, we're going to pray with you. And it's not a magic prayer. It's not magic words or anything like that. It's just, it's just putting words to what your heart's already doing. All right. Uh, it's the heart change that God looks for. And, 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 uh, the Bible says that out of, uh, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So that's what we're doing. All right, here we go. God, I thank you so much for everything that you've done for us. I thank you so much for being the God that you are. And I thank you so much for sending Jesus to die on the cross for us. I thank you that, that, Jesus, when you died on the cross and you said it is finished, you meant everything is finished. And Jesus, we know we might have problems in this world and we might come up against struggles and we might, we might have challenges, but God, Jesus, we also know that you overcame this world. You have overcome this world. So Jesus, I pray that you would help us to look at this world the way that you look at this world, as a world and as a life full of opportunity and hope and uh, something that we can be passionate about and we can wake up every morning and instead of saying, oh man, another day, we can wake up in the morning and say, God, what are you doing today and how can I partner with you? Jesus, give us your eyes for this world. Your name. All right, and if you are that person who's just like, man, I want to get involved. I want to, I want to be with Jesus. I want to start my journey with Jesus today. Uh, go ahead and, and repeat after me. Jesus, I thank you so much for what you did on the cross for me. Today, I want to start following you. 
I want today to be the day that my life changed. I know that I haven't lived the life I should have. And I believe that you died for me and that your blood washes those sins clean. Jesus, I thank you for dying on the cross for me and I look forward to my new life with you. In your name we pray, amen.